Shalom, friends. Thank you so much for being with us. It's a great honor and delight to be here today with Mr. Natan Sharansky, who was born in Donetsk, Ukraine. He was a spokesman for the human rights movement, a prisoner of Zion and leader in the struggle for the rights of Soviet Jews to immigrate to Israel. Subsequent to his request to make Aliyah, Mr. Sharansky was attempted, was arrested on trumped up charges of treason and espionage. He was convicted in the Soviet court and served nine years in the Gulag with many stretches and a punishing cell. Following massive public campaigns by the state of Israel, world Jewry, and leaders of the free world, Mr. Sharansky was released in 1986, making Aliyah on the very day of his release. In his first few years in Israel, Mr. Sharansky established the Zionist Forum to assist Soviet Olim in their absorption in Israel. In the 1990s, he established the Yisrael Ba'aliyah Party in order to accelerate the integration of Russian Jews. He served in four successive Israeli governments as minister and deputy prime minister. In 2018, he received the largest Israeli award, the Israeli Prize for promoting Aliyah and the ingathering of the exiles. Mr. Sharansky is the recipient of the Congressional Medal of Honor in 1986 and the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2006. Uh, um, excuse me, 1986 and the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2006. He is the only living non-American citizen who is the recipient of these two highest American awards. 2009 to 2018, Nathan Sharansky served as the chairman of the executive of the Jewish executive, uh, Jewish agency for Israel. And after retirement from the Jewish agency, he continues to serve as chairman of the Shlichut Institute, which he founded. And in July, 2019, Mr. Nathan Sharansky became chair of ISGAP, the Institute for the Global, excuse me, for the study of global anti-Semitism and policy. He's the author of four books. I could go on and on with the bio, but you get the point. Mr. Sharansky, thank you so much for taking time to talk. Thank you, welcome. Welcome from Jerusalem. <laughs> it's, where, it's where I wish I was. So, you know, um, Rabbi Sharansky, there, there are, as both a leader within Israel and a human rights activist beyond Israel, from what you hear around the world, what do you think are the most common misperceptions today about what Israel is and what Israel does around the world? Well, uh, first of all, uh, uh, the world, unfortunately, is really divided between those who believe that for the sake of freedom, we have to give up our identities because identity, nationalism, religion, that's what's bringing the wars. Uh, and those who believe that for the sake of identity, we have to give up on uh, freedom and democracy. And for uh, those who uh, believe that freedom is, uh, should be disconnected from identity, for it, it seems for them that Israel as a national project, as a Jewish state is the cause of the problems. I heard it again and again 20 years ago, 50 years ago in France, in England, in uh, some politicians, uh, political, whatever, specialists in America, that if only you Israel would not be insisting on being Jewish state, instead of this agree to be state of all the citizens, there'll be no problems. And of course they were wrong and now we see how wrong they are. Uh, second big mis misconception is that Israel is viewed, especially today in this, uh, the view of this critical race theory uh, atmosphere is viewed as the last colonial project. That's colonial, that we, the enlightened world, overcome our colonial past and Israel is still there. And just in these days, the last weeks, our text on Israel as a colonial project of settlers and so on, it's such a nonsense. That's the 
we, we are not colony because we have no other place to go. We came here and thanks God now Jewish people have their own state to defend. And we are trying to insist that we will keep as Jewish democratic state in this extremely democratic environment. And instead of seeing us as the biggest ally of the free world, uh, in this world of identities, uh, there are so many fields as, as the source of the problem, as colonial project, as uh, ultranational state, and as a result, uh, the free world has all these problems. That's real betrayal of some people, the free world of real democracy and natural connection between freedom and human rights on one hand, and identity on the other hand. Very powerful, very powerful. So, so Mr. Sharansky, what do you see as the as the global Jewish community's most urgent priority today on behalf of Jewish interests and the most urgent priority on behalf of the global human interest? Well, uh, I believe that there is no different, uh, no, no, uh, uh, no contradiction. In fact, Jewish people urgently need to be accepted as those who want to belong and want to be free. As those who are fighting for freedom and democracy as those who at the same time are proud of the, our national identity. And we have a problem with this uh, in the globally and we have the problem with this among our Jewish people. And there are the voices which I hear or some letters of some uh, Jewish studies centers and the universities, or, or uh, some uh, Jewish association of students, lawyers in New York City University. All this, uh, which really feel as if Jews want to, to get rid of Israel, which is the burden for them because it takes them back to racial colonial uh, past. And it's such a nonsense because the only way for these liberal Jews to survive as Jews is to be connected to Israel. So, and if you want, that is also the problem to the bigger world. How the bigger world can stop this division between free countries uh, who don't have strong identity and don't have strength to fight for their freedom and uh, dictators who have very strong identity, but who want to, to protect the dictatorship and not to let democracy to expand. So that is the challenge of the free world, and that's the challenge of Jews. And the quicker all parts of Jewish people, Israelis and uh, Jews on the left, Jews on the right, will understand that their fight for their national pride and identity and unity is the best thing which we can give to the free world, the better. So what you're saying is so clear to me that we can hold both our Jewish uh, identity and our universal commitment towards freedom and democracy. And those are actually one in a sense. But it seems today that some Jews choose to exclusively be particularists, caring only about Jews and disinterested in Gentiles, or exclusively universalists, as you're talking about, caring only about Gentiles, but embarrassed to defend Jews. How do you think we reclaim the Jewish mandate to love Am Yisrael, to defend Am Yisrael, but also see ourselves as responsible moral agents for all people? How do we convince others on the extremes to, 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 to hold both commitments? Yeah, uh, I'll tell you, I, I haven't thought that I, in my past, 
was activist and then spokesman of two movements at the same time, Soviet Jewry Zionist movement, the Jewish movement, and human rights movement. I became more and more active and then spokesman and then one of the founding members of Helsinki group, and Andrei Sakharov, the greatest Soviet human rights activist, was my mentor. And I was pressed from both sides, in fact. Uh, from Israel, I was said, don't connect yourself to this universal value struggle because it's only will irritate Soviet Union and we need to take care of our people. How many centuries Jews were taking care of the other people and you see what's happened. On the other hand, there were uh, many human rights activists who were saying, you have to decide finally, are you uh, fighting for the global right, universal rights for everybody or only for your own tribe? And I resisted these two pressures because I felt really that if I have now strength to fight for better gold for everybody, it's only because it discovered my identity. Because as long as I was simply a loyal Soviet citizen, who thinks about, uh, who I didn't have any values, any belonging to something bigger than yourself. So you're fighting only for your career. But when I discovered my history, my people, my country, and I said, I want understood, I want to be part of this history and of this struggle. It gave me a lot of strength. It gave me feeling that I am not alone. And then you have strength to fight for all the world. So there is no contradiction to the contrary. So those who want Tikkun Alam, better world, you know, Tikkun Alam needs a lot of strength. You will not find the strength, the only source of this strength is your desire to be part of this magnificent history and uh, unique people, Jews, who really for a thousand years were insisting that they want to belong and to be free at the same time. And I believe that that is in fact the deepest desire of every person, to be free and to belong to something bigger than your life. So beautiful. So my last, just very quick question. What is one piece of Torah that animates your leadership? What's one idea in Torah that throughout your well, life has that's easy. You know, before I read Torah and before I knew anything on Judaism, we had this slogan, Shalom Atamid. And we felt that that's what connects us to the ancient struggle of Jewish people. I was already more than 60 years old when I checked with my, my educated daughters and then their, my sons-in-law. What should be my parashat Shavua if I had a uh, and then they said to me, it was Bo. Bo, that's exactly Parashabo. I said, it could not be coexistent. I need to have Bar Mitzvah. That's how I had Bar Mitzvah at the age of 65. And the more you were learning this parasha, the more you're learning the commentaries, the more you understand how deeply it's connected with our experience. Because all the parasha exodus from Egypt is uh, what are all these uh, plagues, one after another, and in all these plagues, who is active on the God, and Moshe, and Aaron. The Jewish people are simply the one silent actor. And then comes the 10th plague, and here every Jew has to do something personal. He has to kill Egyptian God. He has to put it on his door that I am Jew, I don't want to stay here. And only when everybody uh, takes position, then liberation comes. And that's exactly what happened in the Soviet Union 
that's exactly what uh, was in our struggle. And then this critical passage of uh, uh, seven weeks, when we already got our identity, uh, our freedom in Egypt, and we still have to get our identity on the Sinai Mount, uh, Torah. And that's and how we are counting every day, every day. Why, why is it so important? Because, because then we want to be in a situation when we have both freedom and identity. And that's what gives real meaning uh, uh, to your life. Uh, and that's why, yes, Shalach uh, and it was so easy in Soviet Union. The first time I had Seder Pesach at the age of 25 to read Bachol Dor Vador. In every generation, they're trying to, uh, to, they stand against us. But this year we are slaves, next year is in Jerusalem. That's the story of our life. That's the story of our people's life. That's the story of our big victory over Soviet Union. Friends, friends, this beautiful Torah teaching that Mr. Sharansky just gave is the story of his life. He spoke truth to power. He taught us that's the role of the Jew in the world, to send my people forth. And just a few parshas earlier, of course, the question that Yosef asks, Oh, Rabbi Chai, is my father still alive? And the response, are, Am Yisrael, and the response is, Am Yisrael Chai. And Mr. Sharansky, this is what his life has been, both the trauma, the trauma of what Jews have suffered through oppression in our history, but the glory of what we can build. And, and Mr. Sharansky has been a moral conscience and the leader at the forefront uh, for our people for many decades. I'm very grateful for all you do and for your, and for your time today. Thank you. And this year in Jerusalem. Amen. Amen.